Episode 21. I see fake dead people. Welcome back to another episode of 10 Giant Robots. What? With your hosts, I'm Ephraim Patel. I'm Sean Apple. And PJ Foley. We are the Dream Team. <laughs> or the B Team. We're, we're, we're the B Team. Yeah. We're here. We're just filling in. Right. Did you run out of podcasts already? Um, if so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you ran out I've of podcasts, say, last year. <laughs> so, and you're looking for a few new ones this year. So we're trying something a little bit different. And uh, we're going to just uh, keep it a little bit shorter and a little bit uh, more on topic. So and without further ado, Ephraim. Okay, so uh, the topic for this particular episode, we decided. Uh, we, we've all seen Rogue One now. I think everyone in the world now has seen Star Wars Rogue One. So if you haven't, tough. We're, we're going to spoil some shit. Um, one of... Trey Fisher's dead. Oh, come on. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Um, lots of amazing visuals in Rogue One, as one would expect, but uh, still really, really impressive work. And one of the interesting things that the VFX team and the filmmakers tried to tackle in Rogue One uh, was bringing back Peter Cushing as... Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Most deaf. <laughs> Most uh, deaf Moff Tarkin. Yeah. Duff 50 Cent Tarkin. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's it? Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Moff Tarkin. Yeah. I, Moff. Did, I did know that. I just lost Does he, it. Is he Moffy as a child? Come here, Moffy. Sounds like a Muppet name. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so Moff, Moff Tarkin, Peter Cushing, who passed away years ago. Right. Uh, really iconic uh, uh, looking actor. He has a very distinctive look uh, and, and played a big role in uh, Star Wars Episode Four. So... Uh, since this movie takes place, it ends like I think five minutes before New Hope begins. Pretty much, yeah. You trip over New Hope. And yeah, it, exactly. Which is interesting because all the other Star Wars movies, there were years in between. Right. This but literally is like it's like a it's a splice between the two movies. And I think yeah. we're gonna start seeing more of that because I heard that Episode Eight is going to take place like a, a few seconds after Episode Seven ended with uh, Ray holding out the, the lightsaber. That's I actually kind of like that idea. Yeah. I think that's kind of a fun because it it you get the sentimental part of like oh yeah then that the next scene is right yeah, and yeah. It, well they're gonna mine this franchise for every oh, yeah. last beat. I mean we are yeah. going to see Lando Calrissian take the Millennium Falcon for the Kessel Run, you know, yeah. and then uh, Han Solo is gonna win in the, the you know the card game or whatever. So it's we're gonna see. All that shit. Yep. And so, I can't wait. And and who knows if <laughs> every moment if they're going to be bringing back CGI actors for those scenes too. Who knows? Certainly, we'll get another CGI Jabba. What do you think about C three PO? Do you think they're going to bring back the actor and do reanimate An- the Anthony Daniels? I'm joking. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so far, uh, so far that they've uh, they've brought him back in the suit. Yes, yeah, yeah, he has for sure. CGI. Yep. Although we had a CGI android character. 
in the new right. one. Right. That guy, that Imperial guy, I forget his name. Oh, yeah, like Attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Take, borrowing a, a page out of the Marvel script, which is borrowing a page out of the Star Wars script. Yep. So like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the... You know, I think a lot of people looked at the Peter Cushing uh, being brought back digitally as just another example of performance capture, which we've been seeing a lot of in the last decade, in the last five years especially. Uh, Weta really has been doing amazing work in that realm, and ILM has had some notable successes as well. But um, this particular challenge, uh, I think, was... a, 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 a a nastier one than anyone's tackled before because the nature of performance capture is, is that you're, you, you capture as much data as you can on set and you try to recreate that. You target that to a digital character and the further they are from a human, the easier it is. Right. You know, if you're doing a, you know, planet of the apes, yes, these are humanoid. They're delivering human performances, but you, you still, you have a lot of leeway PJ's playing on his <laughs> iPad. You have a lot of leeway um, to 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 escape the sort of the the trappings of the uncanny valley. Right, right. But when you get to someone who is human and 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 who is known, and I'm looking at you, Tron Legacy, oh, right, yeah. with your Jeff young Jeff Bridges. Yeah, that I'm sure that character as a still looked amazing. Right, but and so it's not even it's not just getting the articulation of the face right and all that. It's that we already have a mental library of that actor's performances from everything else, including exactly. Tron in this case, or Grand Moff Tarkin, or um, uh, Peter Cushing from all of the old Castle movies or whatever the the international pictures or whatever you know the 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 old vampire movies. It, he's an icon, and so you're you're not just trying to put a believable human being in there. You're trying to duplicate a performance of an icon. So it's right. like. That's two things you got to do, and one of them's already really hard. Well, with the, Jeff Daniels, he was alive and with Moff, Def, t- he yeah. was not. Which, right. uh, which exactly. means you got to get an actor <clears throat> yeah. to do an impression of this other actor on set. And so they're doing the performance capture of the actor who's doing an impression of the actor that you're trying to recreate. Right. It's like, it's this weird, yeah. And so you think, okay, well, then you're going to get all that information. You're going to target it to this CGI Tarkin, which we've completely skipped over how difficult a challenge it is to create that CGR Tarkin in the first place, to have him look um, convincing and be articulated and all those things. So now you've retargeted that, that actor who's doing the impression onto the, the, uh, the original actor. And what they discovered, one of the things they discovered was that uh, even though he was doing a good performance and doing a good voice, his face, his face, facial muscles and his lips and yeah, everything were, they were different doing places, completely doing different things right. to create the phenomes and, and all the things like Peter Cushing would not, you know, he'd do certain things and he wouldn't move his upper lip at all. Right. And this right. actor, of course, you know, was. And he speaks through his teeth. Peter Cushing speaks through his teeth. You right. Know, like it's very British, old British, you know. So these poor animators are then having to try to figure out how to how to work with what they have and and alter it in order to create create more or less from whole cloth this this Peter Cushing's so performance. Hand animating. At yeah. That point. You know, and I wonder at some point, and, and maybe this is already going on, but if um, if there is somebody out there building or has built an algorithm that is actually a performance analyzer. So it's looking at all that old footage and not just Star Wars, but it's looking at 
you know, uh, the Dracula movies, all the Frankenstein movies, all like um, basically doing a mental imprint of what a Peter Cushing performance I is. I believe I saw that done with uh, Craig Daniels. Like, like they're digitizing um, a library of his performance so that you can retarget dialogue to it and it will give you the keyframes that are also his performance hang on hang on wait i want to know more about this because it's like back so so that he can be 95 years old and 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 uh, not even show up to set and they could they could redo his performance so are you saying that they're they're 3d scanning his 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 face yeah to get different well that's different that's that's not a that's not a computer going through old movies and and analyzing performances no but what i'm suggesting this might may be two different things but what i'm suggesting is it, it's so in this case you would it would be found footage you or you'd go out you'd go through in this case it's instead of analyzing the actor using that um you know whatever at stanford or i don't or whoever developed that um uh, Debevic, I can't remember Paul Debevic or his his team, whatever who who got you know they do that multi scan only LED. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> but what I'm what I'm proposing or suggesting, and again maybe it's already out there, is this idea that you look at old footage, you know, from old movies, and you go through and basically do a, essentially you know like a synthize for performance instead right. of camera position. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. It, you would somehow target, you do like a face recognition square, you know, follow this face, and then the computer would go through and analyze, you know, trying to work out phonemes and, or phenomes, or what are you? Phenomes? Yeah. Phonemes? Or whatever those are, yeah. <laughs> but, they, but, you know, it would go through and build a catalog library of facial expressions <clears throat> based on an actual performance. So it's back engineering a performance and turning that into an algorithm. Well, I have, I have heard about, um, th- there's, someone's developing software that uh, allows a computer to, or an algorithm, to scan your face uh, and understand your emotional state. Right. And it does that by analyzing this, this enormous uh, database of micro-expressions. Right. And understanding what all these different areas of your face will do at different times and what right. that means. Like a real smile versus a fake smile has to do with your <laughs> eyebrows and like right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So... That seems like that's sort of like the beginning of what you're talking about, because there's a real sophistication that comes in well, that being would, able to analyze the specifics of one actor's performance. Well, I'm, you're talking about something even more sophisticated than I was suggesting. You're saying it, you could actually play like on a piano emotions and, and to a character space. But what I'm suggesting is it's simply just capturing. Uh, I'm So I'm talking about layer one. You're talking about layer two on well, top of I'm, that. We're trying to capture emotional content. I'm imagining well. that the point of your what you're suggesting is that you can then utilize that to to retarget cre- to create a performance exactly and, and, and so I, that's the playing the piano aspect exactly of that. yeah and can you imagine just that idea of, of somebody goes through and, and you know a computer understands expression you know you know when your voice goes up that's not, that brings attention and the thing goes oh do they mean and it goes into these six possible emotive you know categories i mean that's a whole well, the, the, th- the thing is, you know, it's, it's always interesting to talk about, like, well, you know, the what ifs of if someone could develop the technology to do blank. And, and there probably are people who are working on it. But I think for a lot of people, um, they don't realize how much the animators are responsible for bringing these performances to the screen. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like even even with the amazing advances that we've we've had and. And I think back on Avatar, and we may have talked about this already, but on Avatar, the the PR was, we've 
perfected performance capture. Mm. Now we're getting the faces as well as the bodies and the voices, and it's all in real time, and we get the whole picture. Right, and that's targeted right to the character, and you're what you see is what you get. Right, that was the performance. That was the performance, and right. then you get Andy Serkis saying like, you know, this I'm the performer, and it's just digital makeup, and I think I love that's my favorite. It's just digital makeup. I was like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah. no, and, and and I think there's not enough, uh, uh, you know, um, credit is given to the animators who take that data. And, and those retargeted performances, which by themselves, I, I imagine, look pretty lifeless and bring life to them. You know, it's interesting because I think what we might even see is, uh, t- you know, the, the road forks. And maybe the road forks in this way. Maybe the road forks where one avenue goes all really goes into algorithm land, you know, and it's really just going to try to understand facial expressions and the whatever the phone whatever that word is you know, the emotive properties of of uh inflection and 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 specific to actors if you're trying to recreate a person that actually exists you know but so that might go down algorithm territories that's like the google path you know and then the other path is much more traditional disney animation where you're really trying to build a character from scratch or you're really because and this if, if we can sort of shift gears a little bit and talk about the ethics of this i think you know it's more than just a performance. What you're actually getting from an actor is their brain, you know, and, and how that person has absorbed that character and the decisions they're making. And that's something that is not available once the person's dead. You can make assumptions, you know, of what they might do, but it's so much of, of a performance is subconscious and specific to that human being and their life experience and what they how they approach the character that it's always going to be like a facsimile performance. Even if you get all the... All, all the superficial pieces of it correct, it's never the person. You know right. what I mean? And so I think, like, you know, you're signing away your digital rights to a lot of these big movies because they want to be able to perpetuate the image of you as whatever that character is if, as long as the franchise lasts. And I, that's, it's a, it's kind of weird because it's sort of like, we're going to keep being you after you're done, you know? <laughs> and it's sort of like, but that's not me. It's like, it'll be close enough. You know, it's like, yeah. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, that. <laughs> well, when you when you you know, perhaps you're one of the key players in it, and what they see is a multi multi billion dollar well, franchise. Well, right. But then, but th- you are a critical piece to that franchise. Then, if you are a you know principal actor in that, you know the 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 three big people who we see their faces in Star Wars, and then of course the people who are equally essential as supporting cast members that we don't see their faces. You know, um, and those guys are a little bit more. You know, they, they don't quite have the favored status of the people who actually, you know, Mark Hamill and, uh, you know, those the big three, you know, the main three. So, I mean, what, w- would it be preferable for an actor to say, OK, well, if I happen to die suddenly I, that that the franchise just shuts down? Well, I would uh, or write a like a post, uh, you know, a deceased um, addendum in your contract. Like if I decease pre b- before the series runs out or whatever. Uh, that you have to write my character off like soap opera style or TV show style, like, and then, you know, they fell off a cliff or whatever, you know, and you would write that in to protect. Because here's the thing is flash forward another hundred years. People go back and they don't know. It gets so sophisticated. They don't know which one was the real was the original performance. They go back and they only see the the facsimile performance and they go they assumptions will be made into the future of like, 
oh, that performance sucked. That why why you know and they and then sort of it kind of comes back. Not that you care after you're dead, but it kind of kind of comes back. Your legacy is a false legacy. A portion of your legacy is not real. Do hmm. so you see what I'm saying? And yeah. so the your biography is phony half of it's phony because it's somebody see, else pretending you're, to be you're you. imagining in a hundred years people would be looking back at movies and they'd have no records of of when it, someone was digital when or, or no records of this is some future where they've managed to unearth the movies but not right. not the internet that says when someone died exactly and so you could be like <laughs> it'd be like if if humphrey bogart died before casablanca is like he was fantastic at casablanca is like that's not humphrey bogart that's okay. a picture of humphrey well bogart. there's there's lots of examples of people dying in the middle of movies and having to be digitally kind of recreated for certain shots so flash forward then and those so like uh, paul walker uh, take for example they finished it out and they gave him a little you know like kind of uh um swan song you know but they're not saying fast and furious nine paul walker vindy's you know they're like they're not resurrecting him they would if if they could do it in you know reasonably but, but what i'm saying is in in a, in 150 years, when the Fast and Furious are deemed the classics, no, they'll <laughs> still be making Fast and Furious right, yeah, in 150 point. years. But I guess my point is, and not, and it, it, this is totally a you know a academic argument because does anybody give a shit 200 years into the future about that? But I guess my point is, is that th- it will get so flawless at some point, you won't know if that was the real, real performance or not. So in in effect, you have a forged performance, even though it's a you know, it's a sanctioned forged performance. It's still a fake performance. It's not that per. It wasn't that person doing the performance. It's their face. It's their. It's their. What if? What if we get to the point where we're putting people in the singularity, <laughs> so they're living in the matrix. They're living in computers, but uh, we're still the unwashed masses, so we don't get to go into the happy computer in the sky. So they could actually do their own performance in the. The, the 3D virtual reality that they live in now and uh, project it back to our films that we see here in this low-life uh, real world. Yeah, but if they're living in the singularity, they're they're slaves to whoever's running that computer. Maybe. So we could just go on and be like, okay, I'm running the performance uh, program. You have to fucking dance, monkey. <laughs> no, no, it hurts, it hurts. But I'm on the singularity. I can only and now Scarlett Johansson is in every film and movie. And uh, yeah. Well, okay. you know, so that's a, that brings up another point of what the only performance that's actually happening is from the neck up because the rest is CG. You know, isn't I think the Ghost in the Machine. Some I saw somewhere is like, is her body CG? And that was true with it mm. was horrible. But uh, what was the Green Lantern? Yeah, I didn't see it. But every <laughs> including Ryan Reynolds even makes fun of it. But you it was dodged a bullet there, my friend. That's what I hear. But, but like, so like it's it's basically your head might as well be in a box. I mean, you're like, it's just your, it's like the Nixon, you know, in uh, Futurama. Futurama. It's yeah. Basically, that's the performance because none of your body, I mean, maybe they looked at your performance for well, a reference. But and they did that with Crispin Glover in Alice in Wonderland. His whole body was yeah. this weird oh, rubbery yeah. CG. Right, right. So, so what is a performance is the question. You know? Well, okay. Well, here's, here's, I'm going to kind of ask, uh, ask, tell a question. So the, I wanted to know your uh, final verdict on the, effectiveness of within rogue one okay in our last couple minutes because in the ask tell is like to to, which is sort of uh i guess leading the question in a way but to me he seemed uh overused he was on camera too much Mm. his motions looked a little too keyframey and then i I was thinking back like why why older movies like avatar seem to be a lot more full of life a lot more uh, believable, and I, I guess the 
reason you might have hit on was that it, you're not referencing a known entity. Right. So with all that, can you summarize your opinion? Yeah. Well, that I, I might have stepped all I, over. No, no, no. It's all right. I had a similar <laughs> re- reaction to it. Um, you know, it starts with him. We see his reflection as he's looking out the window, and I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant! We, we, this is the, this is the way to do it." And then he turned around. And I was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, and and, and yeah. not to take anything away from the people who did the work because there's tremendous work there. It's really fantastic. And I don't know if you know this, they actually um, they went back and they found that there was a plastic uh, mold that had been done of P- Peter Cushing. Oh, nice! At that time, they from were from Top Secret. Is that oh, what it was really? from? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, cool. wow. <laughs> and they were able to use that to 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 uh, create uh, help them create the model. So it's like a, it's a perfect math. It's a perfect representation. Yeah. Topography so I mean, wise. it takes away a lot of the guesswork. Right. But they're still. I'm sure there were still. You right. Know, oh, his nose has a slight crook on the thing or whatever. Right. Or like, yeah, subtleties you'd not. Pick but up. they still had to, you know, all the all the subtleties still had to be built into his skin skin tone and hair and all of those things. And and it's tremendous the work that was done. But one of the things that, that was done that I really, I, I still don't understand why they did this, is that they decided they were going to use the actor's body. Mm. So there he is. He's on set. He's in the uniform, the, you know, the imperial uniform, and they've got tracking dots all over him, and they paint out the tracking dots. And they use his body, and then they replace his head and neck. So where there's a, a seam in the collar, at the bottom of the collar, that's where they hid the join right and they had a cgi head and that's what it felt like to me when i was it watching it taped on to i you. felt like there's like t- it was swimmy almost like oh. there's two different things going on here it does not feel connected and and it may not have been a function of that it may have been a function of the how much key framing of minute details they were trying to do you know because when you stare at something long enough you can you can you start you to feel like like oh i gotta put another twitch in there i gotta get another right. micro expression or you I stop gotta, seeing it you know yeah. you just you're not you're no longer you're you you're not objective anymore you're like i don't know if it looks real or not anymore the first yeah. couple passes i could tell now i can't tell you know and apparently in some shots they were just like oh well we can't do this with the, the the practical body, so we'll make the CGI body. And I'm like, why didn't you just do that from the start? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... I, I I don't fault them for, you know, it not being perfect. I, too, wish he was used less. I mm. think I think it was a little bit of hubris in the writing stage to be like, oh, sure, we can do this. Mm. Oh, sure. And it'll totally sell. Uh, so let's just write as much... Di- I'm sure they pared down the, the dialogue and tried to keep it as... As, on the as, other as hand, as they could. They, I think they're in a franchise where this is going to come up more and more. Yeah. Uh, so they got to try some at some point. They got to get it out there and and see how it how it Take works. It I guess if you're going to push the boundaries, do I, it on a big big budget movie. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. yeah, but or um, the uh, alternative was like yeah, look the reflection in the glass. I thought that was great. That would have sold it the whole time. And uh, but yeah, they they kept pushing. And I didn't so. mind the the one shot of Leia. No, you know I thought it was fine. I, I thought um, it worked. And the only thing that bugged me about that is the last shot of the movie. Like, yeah, I know the the one you go home with. Yeah, the yeah. credits roll. I'm like, I can't believe the last shot of the movie was a CGI person. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my take. Yes. Um, uh, and t- quickly, two things. Um, you get ten is, <laughs> the the first one is I agree from two points of view of let's just see the silhouette or whatever it was because a it might have just been better storytelling because he's an ominous character and you go oh that's him you know and just keep it at that that already is a better dramatic build than like and then we're gonna see him you know give the Declaration of Independence like yawn you know what I mean it's like so it's like the Jaws it's the law of the of the shark you know it's like mm. the Jaws Jaws lesson the the second thing too 
is, and I know this is a state of the art. These are incredibly talented artists, so I'm not saying anything about that. But I looked at both of them. I go, fake. I just looked. I was like, they're fake, and not because I know they're they're, they're both the, the the people are not there, but just my and when I I'll be specific. The thing that always throws me off now. The eyes are pretty good now. The mouth always throws me off. Yeah. Every time I'm like, eh, I don't. I'm not mm-hmm. buying the mouth. You know, and Carrie Fisher. There is. There, that shot is in the original Star Wars, a very similar shot. So they could literally almost A, B it with their CG. And I, and the B is very good. It looks like Carrie Fisher, but it doesn't look exactly like that footage. And the problem is they're almost trying to do a match cut. You know, if they had a different environment or whatever, you know, but it's almost a match cut. And I'm like, it's got to be exactly the same. You know, there's kind of, and even if, if it's, if she doesn't talk even better, you know, just, just, just get get us over the finish line and it's like, boom, got it out. Boom. You know, and just, and we wouldn't even had, we would have just, just seeing like from her from behind or whatever. And then just cut to her two seconds and you're out. You're just, oh, just a, just a little taste. Y- you know? And you know what it could have been too? It could have been a wide shot or, right. or, you know what I mean? It and that would have felt better anyway. They would have been like, Oh, that's, it could have been like C3PO in the foreground with R2 and then her in the background or something. But instead they had that, like it was an incredible close yeah, up. It's like, mm-hmm. Hey, look guys. It's like, uh, and that, but see again, that same problem with the, with, uh, uh, Moff Tarkin is like, again, the, the better choice, not even trying to hide the CG, is what's the better dramatic choice, you know, yeah. from telling a story? It's like, those are legendary characters at this point. Treat them as legends. Keep them a little at bay. Keep them, a, give us a little distance. Like, because they already are so huge and loom large in our, and the pantheon of that thing, but also in our recent memory, because that's, you know, so influential in all of our lives. It's like, keep the mystery there. It's more enjoyable anyway. And then you're not even, you're not stuck trying to kind of kill us with awesome CG, you know? So I know we're right at the edge of our, our time. We're at there. the edge. Okay, cool. Just one yes. one quick last note. Um, w- w- with all these uh, examples we have of, of recreating someone gone bad, freaking Ant-Man, man. The beginning of Ant-Man, the young Michael Douglas. Oh, yeah. yeah. That kicks yeah. ass. It does. It does. But conversely, the Robert Downey Jr., pretty good, but not great. Yeah, I you thought know. it was at least interesting. Yeah, you know, I did they, too. Sort of a teenage, teenage. I was like, right. I kind of bought it. I was like, okay, that's Wasn't what he that looked like as a teenager. Cut from footage and comped, not not like a three D CG. Oh, was it really? They I stole think, stuff I think from, it was from one of those nineties movie or eighties movies. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. What Robert think, Downey Jr.? Yeah, I think so. That was a roto job. I think it was mostly re, you know, re keyframing footage and whatnot. I don't know. I I, I need to do. Some research, a little research, but I saw it. Uh, it was just ten giant robots. We don't do no research. Yeah, that's yeah, true. We just we just talk yeah. about shit. I don't even Here's know if anyone's button. listening. <laughs> oh, it's been <laughs> a few minutes uh, over. So, all right. Well, uh, in keeping with our slightly over thirty minute or twenty minute podcasts, that wraps this one up. Thanks for listening. Keep the mystery. Ten Giant Robots is created and distributed by the Ten Giant Robots Radio Network in beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Our theme music was created by the incredibly talented Shane Knight. Follow us on Twitter at 10GiantRobots or at 10GiantRobots.com.